Hi, you're listening to Science Queries, a weekly podcast where we discuss anything and everything about science, often with an LGBT plus focus. I'm Khan and I'm here with my friends and co-hosts Kiara and Sonia. Today we'll be exploring the life and work of Florence Nightingale as part of our series on LGBT plus scientists who've come before us. Florence Nightingale was best known for reforming the nursing profession and improving the quality of healthcare in the 19th and 20th centuries. And back then, like, it was kind of like Victorian times, you know, and nursing was seen as a very low profession. However, she believed that it was her divine purpose to be a nurse. So a woman of her status in Victorian times was expected to marry a man who was, like, super well off. But Florence wanted to pursue nursing, which was seen as one of the worst careers you could have. It was seen as one of the worst careers because it was like lowly, menial labor that the lower classes would usually do. Like, it's interesting to see how nursing wasn't that much appreciated when, like, compared to now, where, and like back then, people didn't see the value in um, the people that took care of people who were like sick or injured and stuff. Yeah, because I think it was seen as like under doctors. I mean, we still have that kind of power yeah. imbalance these days sometimes, but I guess Florence had a very big role in like, in abolishing kind of the gender stereotypes and like the class stereotypes around nursing and like what nursing the profession is because back then it was kind of like seen as like the women who were nurses were like in the doctor's way and like preventing their care but Florence kind of shaped the idea that nurses were crucial to the healthcare role because like they kept um, patients like comfortable sanitary and they helped, like, record-keeping, which was really crucial in maintaining, like, a hospital that worked well. Yeah. Yeah. So, I, I guess she did a lot. <laughs> I mean, that's a very big understatement. But, um, yeah, she really, like, revolutionised the profession, I guess you'd say. Florence worked in the Crimean War helping wounded soldiers by lamplight, which earned her the moniker the Lady of the Lamp. Yeah, that's such like a badass. Name. I know. Yeah, just like the Lady with the Lamp. Yeah, like coming to save you. Yeah. <laughs> um, during the Crimean War, she worked in a hospital at Scutari, where she found herself amidst the hard conditions. So there were like no blankets, beds, food, and even water had to be rationed at one point. And there were rats and fleas everywhere. So, <laughs> like the um, whole sanitation problem was very big deal yeah so not only was the sanitation of the place quite appalling the hospital was also not kept properly as a result the hospital record wait i didn't write this properly hospital records yeah the hospital records were not kept properly and as a result there was a lack of coordination Uh. between hospitals and reporting each hospital had their own method of recording and classifying diseases and recording information onto different forms. So this haphazard record keeping also meant that even the number of deaths reported were not accurate. So there were more soldiers buried than there were soldiers <laughs> reported dead or whatever. Florence proposed that all hospitals use the same medical forms in order to standardise the way hospitals were keeping their records. In doing this, she essentially reformed the way record keeping in hospitals was conducted And this allowed for more consistent, accurate, and a more reliable way to keep medical records. Although many see her as mainly a nurse, Florence never actually practiced nursing. Um, She was more focused 
on her work with the theory of nursing and reforming healthcare and improving conditions within the hospital through her work with statistics, which we'll come to now. So Florence's work as a statistician. Victorian statisticians saw statistics as more than just collecting data. For them, statistics was a new way of studying people in society and that enabled them to make predictions about societal conditions and its impact on people. So that's like kind of what we do today anyways, like with statistics. But like this was like new for them. Like this was a new study, like new way of studying people. Yeah, I was about to say like it's – we do that now with like hypothesis testing, taking um, stats from a sample and then – applying it to a population yeah Yeah. aside from florence other statisticians of the time also brought about change by improving the poor living conditions of many victorians um florence like kind of transformed the statistics field because she pioneered data visualizations and she knew that a picture was more useful in telling the story that the data was trying to tell to people who kind of like weren't interested in like knowing all of the details about the data. That's why she placed more emphasis on like data visualizations. In order to convey information about causes of death during the Crimean War, she developed a method of graphing called the polar area graph. The polar area graph was kind of like a pie chart, Mm -hmm. as in it was like divided into sections, but it was also kind of like a circular histogram. Yeah, it looks like a a bar chart, but in a circle, circle. (laughs) yeah area of each wedge was proportional to like whatever it was that was being represented um wait did but I write about it? um what like why is it in a circle <laughs> like compared to just a regular bar chart i guess oh because it was it represented like some sort of like cyclic data oh right oh yeah because you have the one with the months there. yeah did the thing florence returned from the crimean war with extensive data collected on soldiers mortality rates And her analyses of the data that she collected revealed the impact of unhygienic and unsanitary conditions to the survival of soldiers. And one of the first books she wrote was about the statistical evidence that showed how much the mortality rate of soldiers was dependent on the conditions of the hospitals. Soldiers that were at war were more likely to die than if they were yeah. Wait. Um. But do people not know that? Because like, doesn't it? It's like kind of common sense for like the conditions to affect mortality. If that makes yeah. sense. Yeah. I. I mean. I guess this was kind of like the first time someone had come in, like, and looked at all yeah. the conditions and then its effects. Because if you know, like, the story about cholera, John Snow, people kind of knew, like, the theory of miasma, and that was like yeah. their reasoning for why cholera happened. But until Snow plotted like which houses the cases came from or like yeah on the map and then like looked at it and analyzed it they didn't like realize where the like bacteria was coming from like what was actually causing the disease so i guess like until florence collected all these stats and then kind of built her case around the unsanitary conditions like people didn't see the correlation between the conditions and people dying i was gonna say like because i know like from what I know about the Victorian era, that was like like before that, education and all that stuff wasn't really pushed. She was the first one, like Queen Victoria was the first one to actually put in an education reform act that like got the oh. country involved in those kinds of things. And she like really emphasized like um, all those like, you know, yeah, I don't know, just knowledge, I guess, like under her reign. And I don't know if like the fact that because she's a woman as well, like if that also helped with like yeah. other like, you know, 
women in society becoming more like prominent as well? Definitely, because I mean, Florence came from a very privileged and well-off high social class background. So her parents really believed in education of all genders, like her brothers. Did she have brothers? I don't remember. But (laughs) um, her parents believed that women should be educated in the same manner as men. So that's like how Florence got her education and like how she was able to do all these things because she placed a lot of emphasis on data visualizations. Just going back to that. um, These visualizations were instrumental in her efforts of reforming health standards in military and civilian hospitals because they were able to convince those who had the power to implement changes because she knew that charts and things were better than just like a table. You know, if you were trying to convince people who weren't interested in the numbers or just, just in, they were just interested in kind of like the impact. Yeah, because like, like I guess when you were looking at like a graph and like you can just see it, so apparently it yeah. makes you be like, whoa, rather than if you like just read a statistic, unless it's like a really like strong statistic yeah. or something. Because like I feel like people aren't good at processing how big numbers are yeah. and like Definitely. how like what a gap in numbers like looks like. Yeah, like that reminds me of um I think I saw this TikTok of oh someone counted rice to um, yeah. show how much a billion dollars was. Like yeah. you don't you don't think that it's that much compared to a million, but seeing like colossal amounts of rice compared to the pile that was like a million grains of rice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it just shows like numbers don't mean that much cuz yeah. like I mean humans are quite visual and like being able to see things on a diagram or a graph does help a lot in making people understand. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, it's a f- more efficient way as well. Yeah. Because you can s- like, yeah. Because if the visualization's done properly, like you can just see it and it, you can, yeah, kind of know what it means. Yeah. I was going to say like how in history, like when they presented all the numbers to us, like it kind of all just gets lost on you yeah. and you're like, yeah, like there's so many numbers and you don't really realize the real impact i guess until you like watch a video or something and you're like oh sh- yeah. like this is in like real life if that makes sense yeah so more about her life she was born to wealthy parents and into elite social circles so her parents believe that women should be educated in the same manner as men which is quite i don't know if it was before their time or if it time went back like history went backwards in that kind of thinking yeah it sounds pretty like a progressive thought for, I, yeah. for being such a long time ago i feel like it's because they were of an elite social class and they could afford to just study and not work oh, yeah, like laboriously true. yeah because for a lot of um households i guess it was too expensive to send yeah. both like brothers and their sisters to school yeah and like you would need to work to have money so they yeah. would prioritize like working above education yeah yeah, so because her parents were quite wealthy, they sent her to, like, private tutors and stuff. And due to this, Florence developed, like, a love for learning and, in particular, maths. And she was particularly skilled and interested in statistics. Although her parents were social climbers, she was often called awkward at social events <laughs> and gatherings. And she preferred, like, intellectual conversations other than, like, the social niceties that you kind of have to, like, the small talk. You know, yeah. she didn't like that. She was too smart for them. (laughs) Um, So her social affluence also allowed her to reject marriage and she never got married despite like many proposals made to her. Yeah. Yeah. That's so different from when you think about the um, things that women had to 
like that's the yeah. traditions that women had to follow like if you think about going back in time but then this sounds like pretty up to date with like what's happening yeah. right now it sounds like she was very before her time but yeah it's also because of her social class that she was uh, able to do that and i think yeah. like a lot of women in history that we th- hear about might not have been from like these social classes the people who pioneered change i don't know do you know more about that yeah i think it was like that that was like from what i know the 1860s was like when all this stuff started happening like it's when slavery first started like you know like people started like fighting against it like and women started fighting for their rights because i remember i was talking about with a friend how um like that's when um women's like how do you say women's sanitary products and stuff Mm. started to become like more readily available so it was really like a time of change if that yeah, makes sense wow. yeah that's really interesting um yeah so she spent her life kind of rejecting social norms um there is debate between scholars as to whether nightingale was a lesbian or not this comes from the fact that she rejected the social institution of marriage and chose to live with other women on her own terms And another point people make when providing the evidence as to why they think she might have been a lesbian is the fact that she defied social and cultural norms and pursued her passions and interests. Does that sound familiar to you? I don't know. That's so like... I know. I read that and I was like... That's so irritating. (laughs) Because like personally, I don't think that's evidence for her being a lesbian. Yeah, but I guess in the past they would like attribute anything that is like individual passion and women's rights to those kinds of things yeah it's like oh she didn't want to get married she must be gay (laughs) (laughs) yeah like it does make me annoyed to see i don't know if this is a controversial view but a lot of times people look to find representation in areas that are not there Mm. like yeah like people like yeah it would be great if she was lesbian it would be like like making her a figure of the lgbtqia plus community (laughs) would be really cool but like if she's not like it's it's irritating because she was just devoted to Mm, her work it doesn't mean that she was like any it doesn't matter yeah (laughs) Yeah. because i just feel like you can't know for sure because like you can't ask her now you know so i feel like like speculations about this is just kind of annoying yeah i don't know assume like speculations like like it's it's not the speculations that are kind of irritating it's the fact that they say that her passion yeah and i like, think like the basis devotion, of which they founded on yeah the like the evidence is irritating to me the evidence they gave was a bit like whack yeah because like if she had written in her journal that she was like sleeping with a woman you know then, then that's, that's like that's okay a yeah that's story. A, like good you know yeah, like that's some a good different evidence story. for the speculation yeah <laughs> but like if they were just like she defied social and cultural norms and like she didn't want to get married and she had passions like i was like does that <laughs> like does, how does that make you a lesbian um yeah so i don't think that evidence kind of is evidence that she's queer i just think it she was just a very smart and intelligent yeah. woman. I think that's just at the time those kind of concepts were so new that that's how they classified it, right? Yeah. But there were indications that she might have had romantic relationships with women and like built on that basis, you could probably say she was queer, but that's different to being like she had passion. Um, and there were also records of her feeling disconnected from sexual attraction, suggesting that she might have been asexual. But we also can't and don't know for sure. And so she can't really be labelled. It's just speculation from whatever evidence they've found and what she's written. 
but a lot of articles do refer to her as queer. I don't know about that. Because, like, even though there are rumours, like, it's all just gossip, right? Like, speculating her sexual orientation. I think she did write about, like, sleeping in the same bed as a woman. I don't know what that, like, people, I don't know whether people are reading into that or if it's, like, I don't know, yeah, I imagine, like, if you were in that society, you wouldn't spend much time with men. Like, if you're a girl, right? Because it's not culturally acceptable. So you'd probably, like, be pretty close to, like, your, like, girlfriends as well. Anyway, you know, Mm -hmm. like, your girl space friends yeah (laughs) yeah but yeah so from kind of the things she's written it does suggest that she might have had romantic relationships with women although that is not like certain because it was like so long ago and all that (laughs) yeah just a bit just a while ago and despite being bedridden due to illness she contracted in crimea um that left her with chronic illness for the rest of her life and pains she continued to work on improving health care from her bed so overall, she was a very like strong woman. She did a lot for like kind of the industries she was working in, like the fields she pioneered change in was quite substantial for like one person, you know. Yeah, I mean, what she mentioned, or what was mentioned about her having this like her job as her divine purpose. Yeah, <laughs> like yeah, she really like devoted herself to it. It makes me wonder, did she actually enjoy what she was doing or was she just like, so like felt that it was her purpose? I guess you would enjoy it if it was. I reckon she enjoyed it. I mean, because I I guess like she thought her divine purpose was to serve like practically as a nurse. Yeah. But she devoted herself more into the theory of oh, nursing okay. and the theory of like healthcare and the statistics. So I guess she was doing what she enjoyed because she yeah. really enjoyed statistics. And like from that, she created change. Yeah. So if this isn't a story to motivate you girls in STEM out there, I don't know what is. Because <laughs> yeah. this is like, I was reading this and I was like, wow, like she is so cool. Yeah, it kind of shows if, I guess if you find what you like to do, you just do it and then mm. you can just do so much of it. Yeah. Like even from a bed, she was, she was creating change. Yeah. No excuses, yeah. you guys out there. <laughs> I was just thinking about how I woke up this morning and like <laughs> the first thing I did was just like go on TikTok. Like, <laughs> <laughs> okay i was gonna say we're living through a pandemic but then like if you think about conditions she I mean, must that, have been that living was like through. a consistent pandemic like yeah like just like an outbreak like is, of cholera yeah. <laughs> and then like an outbreak of typhoid yeah <laughs> constant so i'm gonna wrap this up here thank you for joining us for this week's episode of science queries we hope you've enjoyed your time here continue the conversation with us over on our social media platforms at SciQueriesPod on instagram and twitter science queries on facebook or even email us with any questions, queries or concerns at sciencequeriespod at gmail.com. And we'll catch you next time on the Science Queries. I said queries so many times.